0: On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks lose their fourth consecutive game, and they blow a double-digit lead. In all four of those games tonight, perhaps the most demoralizing loss of the season so far for the Hawks on this Friday to the Sacramento Kings. Certainly, frustrations overflowing during, after, etc. And we'll touch on all of what transpired coming up on the podcast. You are locked on Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1620 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night on a Friday into Saturday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And the place to go is prizepix.com slash locked on NBA. Use promo code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. And also at the top of the podcast. And as always, I encourage you to make us your first listen. Each and every day, please subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, places like Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. It's been very busy in this space in the last several days. Uh, Even during the holidays, no days off here for the Locked On Hawks podcast. And I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. But with all that said, we'll dive into what became a maddening result with Atlanta Hawks on this Friday, a 117 to 110 home loss. To the Sacramento Kings. And if you only knew that, it would not be a devastating result. But with the way that they, that things went tonight, I describe this game as perhaps the most demoralizing result of the season for the Hawks with how it unfolded. This is their fourth consecutive loss. Um that brings the Hawks down to 12 and 19 on the year. They are now a really kind of baffling four and nine at State Farm Arena. Eight and ten on the road, totally fine. Four-nine on the road, four nine, sorry, four and nine at home, not totally fine at this point in time. And the way unfolded. Uh, if you happen to miss this game, I know it's a holiday for some folks, and people are traveling, all that stuff. But the Hawks led this game, 31 to eight, to begin the contest, up 23 points in the first quarter. They sort of wavered a little bit in the middle of the first half, but were up by 18 at halftime and and pretty much total control. But then came a pretty disastrous offensive performance, in particular. And yes, I said offensive performance because usually this team's defense is the problem. Tonight it was the offense in the second half. 39 points after halftime. They couldn't make a shot. They had a five-minute drought without scoring a point at the end of this game. And uh, with all of that happening, the Hawks now have not. The Hawks have now lost nine games this year in which they led by double digits. That is the second most in the entire NBA. And it's hard to sustain success when you cannot hold a lead. And the Hawks have still continued to lose all their close games, and they've blown leads again, including, including this four-game losing streak. They have they have held a double-digit lead in the second half of all four games. It is very hard almost to even pull that off. And the Hawks now have done it in four straight games. So we'll get into kind of the big picture of this one, and then we'll sort of dive into the details, but certainly some uh, some sour moves going on at Sanford Arena tonight, and certainly with uh, with good reason, I would say. The Hawks were narrow underdogs in this game, actually, according to our friends at FanDuel before the game started. They were one and a half point underdogs in this game, but yet another game when I would describe as kind of a coin flip game. Yes, technically underdogs, but certainly not a huge underdog. Um, playing uh, The Hawks didn't have their... Uh, some injury issues in this game as they kind of always have kind of always had this year i would say the kings were fully healthy the hawks were still playing without DeAndre hunter etc but all excuses out the window there i would say and i said it before but i'll say it again now kind of go into it in more depth this was an offensive failure which is a little bit of a different category yes there had been some late game challenges for the hawks this year but generally speaking the offense which came into the night as a top five unit in the nba has not been the problem this year. It's been the defense, it's been a familiar refrain dating back to previous years and the entire really the whole of Trae Young era for the most part. Uh, but in this game, they had a, about a 112 offensive rating by the end of it, which isn't like utterly awful, I will say, but it's below average in any context. And then you throw in the fact that you're playing at home on full rest against a Kings defense that is not the worst in the league, but certainly in the bottom 7 8 9 of the league. The Kings are not good defensively. So to have this output, I guess a pretty bad defense at home at full strength is not or at least close to full strength is not what you want by any means. I will provide the second half numbers for you now and probably again later, I have to say. But this is just, you know, cross your uh, cover your eyes kind of stuff, let's just say. So again, 39 points after halftime. They shot 28.9% from the floor and 5 of 23 from 3 in the second half to go along with 11 turnovers after halftime. So those are just absolutely hideous numbers. There's no way of spinning that. You cannot justify that, especially for a team that's offense first. Again, one more time, 28.9% from the field, and 5.23 from three, to go along with 11 turnovers after halftime. And that's how you lose. That's that's just a very simple way to dissect what happened in this game. That second half combined, I would say they're, they're, they're number two, three, and four offensive options. Dejounte Murray... Bodom and and Jalen Johnson combined to shoot three of 23 after halftime in this game. Most of that was DeJounte and Bogey, but you know, Trey wasn't perfect by any means, but they're supporting again, number two through four offensive creators slash engineers of the offense combined to shoot three of 23 after halftime. Yikes. Um, for the full game, Locke it up shooting three percent from the floor. That's obviously really, really bad. Um, 35% from three is not awful. But the quality of looks they were getting was really good. And they just continued to miss shots both from three, and it was only at, they were actually pretty, really bad at the rim. So, according to Clean the Glass, the Hawks shot 50% at the rim in this game. Um, That's fifth percentile, which is obviously quite bad. 15 of 30 directly at the rim is really, really not good. Sometimes that can be Clint Capella as a problem area for him. But in this game, Clint was five of seven. Around the rim so the rest of the team I believe was 10 of 23 at the rim in this game for reference that is like in the in the mid 40s percentile wise the Kings allow 68% shooting at the rim this year so for the Hawks to shoot in the mid 40s very bad broadly speaking the NBA tracks uh, shots quote-unquote in the paint as an official stat and in this game the Hawks were 20 of 48 in the paint that's 41.7% that is very bad in the paint In the second half, they were 6 of 19. That is horribly bad. So, if you're scoring at home, in the second half, the Hawks were 6 of 19 in the paint, and 5 of 23 from 3. And you were going to lose when that happens. The Hawks actually won the free-throw battle in this game. They won the rebounding battle in this game. They ended up taking more shots from the field, and 10 more free-throws than the Kings. And still losing, because they just could not put the ball in the basket. Um, It's going to sound crazy. Defensively, the Hawks did enough to win, and it's kind of the way that I would put it. Were they great defensively? No, they were not. They had about a 118 defensive rating in this game. That's about what the Kings average on offense, and they're a pretty good offensive team, so no shame in that number at all. In the second half, it was worse, to be sure, and the Kings did get hot. They made 50% of their three-point shots in the second half. But the Hawks did a pretty good job keeping them off the, off the free-throw line in this game. 15 attempts for the Kings. They did a great job on the defensive glass in this game. Um, only a few second-chance points for Sacramento in the entire game. The number one swing on the stat sheet, and if you use your eyes in this game, was the shooting. And the Kings shot 32% from the floor and 38% from three in this game, compared to what the Hawks did that was, uh, let's just say, night and day on this night. So we'll get into it more often, but I, I said it before, and I'll say it again now. The Hawks have now blown a second-half lead of at least 10 points in all four of these losses. During that four-game losing streak, the Hawks have a net rating. And by the way, if you don't know what net rating is, that means um, points basically the, diff, the point differential per 100 possessions. So the Hawks have a minus 28.8 net rating in the second half of the last four games. That's even worse than even worse than this, is they're minus 33.3 in the fourth quarter. So that means the Hawks are being outscored by 33 points per 100 possessions in the fourth quarter. That is unbelievably bad. So yes, there's variance. Yes, that I'm the first one to say, and I'll say it again now, let's probably say it again later, there's a little bit of uh, unfortunate luck and unfortunate variance going against the Hawks in these situations. I am a firm believer in that. At the same time, it did feel like the Hawks tensed up in the fourth quarter to me. And I'm not someone that sort of decides that willy-nilly. Um, I think the Hawks are starting to get in their heads a little bit about these fourth quarters and these second half blown leads because, look, it, it felt like the shot quality got worse. And yeah, in the fourth quarter, there were some good looks that, that, that just didn't fall, but I'm good. And from good shooters, but Klickapela after the game talks pretty eloquently about, like, they don't really know what's going on. It's more about, like, you know, they have to yell at each other or something like that. It's it's a little bit of variance. It's a little bit of bad execution. You know, Quinn always points to execution, and I think he's right on some level. But, man, the Hawks scored 39 points and a half tonight against the Sacramento Kings. And, again, the Kings are bad defensively. It was a – this is a, sort of the what, – what's the high point or the low point? How do, you want, how do you want to put that of the struggles for the Hawks in the last – really the whole month of December has been kind of a nightmare for the Hawks. Part of that being Joe Johnson being out, of course he's back now in this game and had some moments, uh, certainly flashes in this one, but the, the bench was bad. The fourth quarter was just an atrocity and really the whole second half, again, 39 points on that kind of shooting and we'll get into all of what transpired here, but uh, I just want to wrap up the first segment of the podcast by just saying it's dire. And I think the vibes are bad. Um, The season's not over by any means. There's 51 games to go for the Hawks. And if you look at their underlying metrics, they're better than this, but you know, even I, as someone who is very level-headed, will tell you, like, you know, this is a this is a terrible loss, and it wasn't necessarily, you know, pre-game. If you said, "Oh, if all you know about this game is the Hawks lose by seven points to the Kings at home," that is not a terrible loss. But the way this game unfolded, on top of the three previous games, just meant that it was uh, driven home and just in a brutal fashion for Atlanta. So we'll leave it there for now. We'll have more on this game coming up in a second when it comes to the to the details and the nuance, et cetera. But first, it were from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at PrizePicks. PrizePicks is the largest DFS platform in North America, and also the most exciting and easiest way to play daily fantasy sports. At PrizePicks, all you have to do is pick two six players that should choose-, choose will have more or less than a certain number of points, or rebounds, or steals, etc in basketball or yards or something like that in football different categories across the board and you put up to 25 times your money on any entry at price Then they'll have combo projections as well allowing you to include two or more players from different sports or different leagues in your projections and they have a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else they have projections on the NFL NBA MLB NHL PGA and many more and they also have a reboot policy at price Bix. they're the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy I've enjoyed checking out Price Picks for quite some time now. I'm digging it all the time on college football and the NFL, as well as basketball, both in the NBA and in college basketball. And on the whole, the experience is really fantastic with Price Picks. It's easy. It's fun. I recommend it at the, at the absolute highest level. And the place to go is pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use promo code LockedOnNBA for a first-time deposit match up to $100 when you get there. One more time, that is pricepicks.com slash NBA Use the promo code NBA when you get there. Check out the day fantasy sports made easy with Price Picks all right and to the game itself now as far as the ins and outs of things and i have to start positively at the beginning of the game the hawks had a great first eight minutes of this contest it was 31 to 8. yes 31 to 8 in favor of the hawks they had a 172 offensive rating in the first eight minutes of this game they were shooting the ball well from three they were shooting the ball well in the lane the ball was moving dejounte murray who struggled in the second half was very good i thought in the first half getting downhill getting to the rim click Capella was everywhere in the first half eight points and five rebounds in the first eight minutes Trey had a couple of just absurd Trey Young passes. There was one pass fake that froze the entire Kings defense, for instance. And the Kings were ice cold. They missed their first eight three-point attempts. They were 460 from the the field in this game. And they scored eight points on their first 18 possessions. So, all that said, the first eight minutes of the game, the Hawks were plus 23. Last 40 minutes, they were minus 30. Tough scene. Um, After that... Obviously, the Kings had actually a run for the rest of the first quarter, 15-5 to five run for the Kings where the Hawks leveled off a little bit. But still, it was a 13-point lead at the end of the first quarter, and it was the Hawks' season best as far as points allowed in the first quarter with 23. Also, their best first quarter point differential-wise at plus 13 of the season. They tied their mark of previously held. So a very good first quarter, obviously. Uh, Rotation-wise, it was nine guys playing in this game for Atlanta. Um, I was surprised by the ninth. So it was a Kong win bogey, as you would expect, and then Garrison Matthews as sort of the eighth man. Patty Mills was the ninth guy to played, actually played more than Garrison in this game. I was confused by that. We'll come back to it later on, but um, that was what kind of what happened there. For those asking about AJ Griffin, I was not at all surprised to not see AJ tonight, um, nor was I bothered by that. I understand that uh, I've, I have called, I probably will call again for AJ to play more minutes, but given that he only had one practice, but he's been gone for several weeks at this point in time, I was not expecting to see AJ in the lineup tonight. And so no, no surprise there. But hopefully in a couple weeks, we'll see him. Notably, Wes Matthews did not play. And usually he's been playing in every game. So keep that in mind. Maybe a little bit of a tweak there on the edge of the rotation. But in the second quarter, the Hawks sort of wavered a little bit. There were The lead was down to five as the Kings bench got going with Malik, with Malik Monk and Trey Lyles. They made seven of their next 10 threes after their cold start did Sacramento. But Ajante, who again was bad after halftime in the first half, made a couple big shots. Uh, a couple big threes, and I thought he was very good on the whole at, before halftime. The Hawks had a nice run at the end of the half to go up by 18 at the break. I thought Jalen Johnson struggled in the first quarter and a half. He made a comment about that on Twitter, and then he had a heck of a close to the first half. He was probably the biggest reason why the Hawks got into the ha- got into the break up by 18 points. And look, as bad as the first sorry, as bad as the second half was, the first half was really good. They had a 145 offensive rating. They were really flowing. They were 10 of 20 from three. In the first half, they got to the line seventeen times. They had four turnovers. They had sixteen second chance points. The numbers were great in the first in the first half. And honestly, if you watch them, they played really well before halftime. And of course, that is now long gone after what happened in the second half. So the third quarter has been a problem a lot this year. It's been their worst quarter. Um, They have a minus six point six net rating coming into the night in the third quarter. And, of course, that got worse tonight um, as the Hawks were uh, kind of bombed. As um, as far as, Obviously, the fourth quarter will get all the attention because the Hawks lost the game eventually in the fourth. But, in th- by the way, including tonight, now I just updated this on my notes, they have a minus eight net rating in the third quarter. Brutal. Um, out of the locker room, they scored seven points in the first six minutes. The lead was down to seven as a result of that. The Kings did have a couple turnovers in the middle of the quarter. Um, and Quinn drew up a nice play, I thought, coming out of a timeout. To get Jalen a dunk off of uh, sorry, Jalen a pass to a Kongwu for a dunk, um, but basically the Kings got hot a little bit. And they made th- three threes in a row late in the fr- in the third quarter, and the 18 point lead was down to five or so. They scored 20 points in the quarter, and ironically, they made one three. They were one of nine from three in the third quarter, and it was probably their worst attempt of the entire quarter. Sadiq Bey, who has been pretty cold for three point range recently, had to kind of heave one from the corner. He, w- he was contested at the shot clock buzzer, and he made it. And the Hawks probably missed five open threes in the third quarter, and that was the only one they made. Kind of ironic and kind of a foreshadowing event, I would say. So in the fourth quarter, De'Aaron Fox got going a little bit against Patty Mills at times. I thought Patty was okay defensively at times, but really was kind of not in that stretch against against De'Aaron Fox. And the Hawks did have one more run in them. It was an 8-0 run early in the, thir- sorry, early in the fourth quarter to go by 11 points with eight and a half minutes to go. Bogey finally made a three. Uh, Trey hit a corner three, and that was kind of where all the shots stopped falling after that. Um, They missed three good looks in the next, like, two minutes between Bogey and Bay. After a timeout, Jothi missed a mid-range shot, then a turnover, and then De'Aaron Fox hit back-to-back threes, and the lead was officially gone. So the Hawks trailed for the first time in the entire game at the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter. And at that point, they were already missing a lot of shots. Basically, that was the reason why they were already ice cold, and it only got worse from there. There was a timeout called. With 4.20 to go, and the Hawks had the ball in a tie game. And spoiler alert, they never scored a point again from that point. I won't do all of the play-by-play, but offensively, here's what happened. DeJounte missed the mid-ranger. It wasn't a great possession at all, kind of a stagnant possession. A shot he can make, but a kind of a not great possession. Then Trey missed a pretty bad shot, I thought, on a three, so he's not without blame. Missed a floater on the next possession to Trey, and a good look, just missed it. And then Murray missed again on the mid-range. Then it looked like Trey got fouled to get to the line to cut the to, to the lead from down, to, down from four to two with two minutes to go. That would have been a big call, except for the fact it was challenged and overturned. I didn't love the overturn. I, I think it was an offensive foul on Trey. I think that it was not enough for me to overturn the call, given that it was called defensively on the court. But it didn't outrage me, just kind of a bad beat there for the Hawks in that particular moment in particular because they, they just couldn't score. It was a huge momentum play. Kings had the ball back, up four. They got a stop, the Hawks did, crucially. And then they had a must-score possession, down four with 90 seconds to go. And then, once again, DeJounte Murray misses an open catch-and-shoot three. It was actually a good possession, good process. If you watch that, watch that play back, DeJounte gets a shot, he, he just misses it. Like that, that was kind of the microcosm of the entire game in a lot of ways. Just misses it. Think of a bucket on the other end of the floor, go down by six. And Bogey misses a three. And then click gets a rebound, actually, creates a second possession. But then Bogey kind of fails to score on a mid-ranger. Not a smart shot from Bogey the second time around. Again, it probably doesn't matter. They're down six. But what you don't want to have there down six is a forced mid-range two. And that's what happened. So, oh, man, uh, it was brutal. Uh, The Hawks did not score a point in the last 445 of the game. That stands on its own. They had eight consecutive empty possessions at the end of the game. Eight times with the ball, zero points. And the Kings close on a 9-0 run. But honestly, the Kings didn't go crazy on offense. Like, again, usually it's the defense lets the Hawks down. The Kings scoring nine points in five minutes is, like, fine. That's good defense in a lot of ways. Um, they were playing slowly, but it was the offense. They, they just could not score. And, again, I don't think it was brilliant from Trey down the stretch or in the second half at all, but he had 16 of the, po- of the 39 points in the second half. Trey said uh, – sorry, Quinn said post game, and I think this certainly was there on film, that the Kings were trying to trap Trey, and they were – It was just that nobody else could make a shot. And again, I'll I'll read the number I read to you earlier. The trio of DeJounte, Bogey, and Jalen, their two through four options, combined to shoot three of 23 from the field. DeJounte and Bogey were their two high-profile options other than Trey. They were two of 18. Two of 18 from the floor in the second half. And like, yeah, some of those shots were not great, but a lot of them were good looks. They just didn't go down and... Uh, I'll have more on this in a second when it comes to individual players, but that is the microcosm of this game. The Hawks just could not score, and the uh, the five minutes drought at the end of the game was just like, honestly, too too spot on in a lot of ways. Um, given that, yeah, the, the one overturned call was kind of a kind of a bad break, but even if that happens, they probably need to score more, and they just. We're not able to do so. So uh, it was a little bit stagnant. I think the vibes, the body language was not great at the end of the game. But if you just kind of take all the emotion out of it, which you shouldn't do, I'll be very honest with you, you should not take that. It's a mental game. It's a it's a mental toughness game. It's a physicality game for sure. But you have to be like sort of emotionally and mentally dialed in. I'll say that first and foremost. But if you take that all out of it, they got a lot of good shots in the second half. They just didn't make any of them. And uh, unfortunately, that is a continuing trend in the last four games. All right, I will stop rambling about the game. At this point in time, we'll have more on the player-by-player stuff in a second. But first, we're we'll from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. And as the weather gets colder, the NBA and NFL offers stay hot at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets. Any $25 money line bet right now at FanDuel, that's $150 in your pocket if your team wins. Beyond the awesome, awesome perks of signing up with FanDuel, they have everything that you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads and over-unders, and money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. The app is safe and secure at FanDuel as well. They cover the entire range of sports, and that includes the NFL, of course, college football, NBA, MLB, WNBA, college basketball. They have golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, MMA, boxing. The whole gamut of sports can be found at FanDuel. They have all kinds of stuff on the Hawks as well. Not only futures, but also the full scope of lines and props for New Year's Eve's game against the Washington Wizards up there on the road, and a full slate of offerings on the basketball space. And now is the best possible time to set up with folks at FanDuel. And the place to go is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Check out the official sport, sportsbook partner of the all Podcast Network with an offer that you will not want to miss one more time. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, and to the players in this one, again, nine guys appeared for Atlanta. Garrison Matthews played eight minutes, and Hawks were plus seven in those minutes. I'm not sure that was Garrison's uh, fault or credit, but I thought he actually was fine. He had three points and a steal. He was one or two from the floor, uh, and they were threes. He had a rebound. I thought he should have played more, probably, in this game. I don't really understand the next guy. We'll talk about it now, I guess. Patty Mills played 11 minutes. He took one shot and made it. He had no other stats, but minus 11 in his 11 minutes. Three points, uh, Patty did compete defensively. I'll be the first to say that, but he is very limited on defense, and I didn't quite understand the theory of the case for playing Patty in this game. Uh, I do understand, why, again, why, why you wouldn't play A.J., because he has not been in the mix for so long. I get that. Um, Wes Matthews, offensively, is very limiting, so I could certainly understand why you wouldn't play him, although I would have played him over Patty if I had to guess. Trent Forrest, uh, it's kind of where I am here is that, you know, Quinn talked about Patty's defense post game. I think if you wanted to have just another guy who was going to be an irritant against De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk, why wouldn't you just play Trent Forrest? Uh, And I'm not saying Trent Forrest is a better basketball player than Patty Mills, but for what they used Patty to do, I would have used Trent Forrest. Because really, the only thing that Patty is better at on a basketball court than Trent Forrest is creating offense. As far as, like, obviously, he's a better shooter and a better ball handler in some ways. But they didn't really ask Patty to do that. They asked Patty to kind of stand in the corner on offense and then play like... On ball defense and i don't really understand the theory of the case there so they could have played garrison those minutes they could have played those minutes they could have done something else but i didn't really understand the theory of it i am not even saying that patty was awful because he wasn't but I, I just don't really understand the thought process but there you go he was asked about it you know he gave some plaudits to patty's effort level and again he he did play hard he was playing on the ball but i think you can sort of see the limitations too with him on the floor um the rest of the bench was Okongwu and Bogey, neither neither of whom was very good, I didn't think, in this game. Okongwu, 7.3 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. A couple of nice high highs for Okongwu, but I thought he was probably below average on the whole. He was not the best center on the floor for the Hawks by any stretch of the imagination in this game. Bogey's been cold shooting-wise for a while. And we'll talk about Ajante in a second, who's also been cold for a while. But but Bogey, after his, like, scalding hot three weeks or so, has been really rough. So 2 of 10 from 3 in this game, 2 of 4 from from 2-point range. Did have five assists and one turnover, so that's pretty solid. But 12 points, four rebounds, and just could not get a shot to fall uh, in this game. To the starters, Sadiq Bey. uh, 15 points, seven rebounds, four assists. I thought Sadiq was pretty good. Um, He still can't make a shot. Uh, He actually was three away from three in this game, which is actually better than he's been. In December, it's been a struggle for Sadiq with his shot making. But he was one of six from two in this game um, to kind of offset that. Did have seven rebounds again, four assists. He was competed defensively. He was not great on them on the floor, but I thought he gave them okay minutes. In this one, uh, Jalen Johnson actually had a career high in rebounding in this game with 15, four assists, then a four turnovers, 16 points. I don't think Jalen was particularly good. He had a great stretch at the end of the first half, a couple of nice flashes. And look, I, I gave him a lot of leeway. He's been out for a long time. He's still a very young player, so I'm not worried at all about Jalen. And obviously, they need him to be on the floor. He was still effective at times in this one. And defensively, they have to kind of lean on him quite a bit now with Hunter out of the lineup but he was not efficient. Um, He was, sorry, four of eight on twos, which is fine, but one of four from three and uh, had four turnovers. So a little bit just, you know, hit and miss. Not an awful game, but not a great game either for Jalen other than the rebounding, which is, of course, very important in itself. Capella, I thought was good in this one. 12 points, 12 rebounds, um, two blocks, a steal, and three assists. I thought Clint was very, very good. Honestly, he didn't play as much as he probably could have in this one. They did try the Ocongo-Capella lineup for a few minutes in this game, which, which is more than they did on Tuesday. I would probably still do it a little bit more. But in this game against Sacramento, at least I understand why they wouldn't because Sacramento does end up playing a lot of shooting. It kind of makes it tough on those guys. But um, I thought it was at least reasonable. And I thought Capella gave them good minutes, especially in the first half. Um, and then the backcourt. So DeJounte, tail of two halves. Um, honestly, as I said it before, I thought he was actually very, very good in the first half of this game. He was getting into the rim. And it's always a telltale sign for me with DeJounte is if he's getting all the way to the rim, getting downhill with his drives, he's so much better. But in this game, he stopped doing that. So it's a little bit, I have to assign a little bit of variance to this. I'm not, there's no way it's this stark as far as like true talent level, but these are the first half, second half splits this year for DeJounte Murray. In the first half, he's shooting 48.6% from the field and 45.1% from three. Obviously, that three-point range number is well above what he actually is. DeJounte's is a pretty good shooter. He's not that. Second half, 42% from the field and 30.1% from three. So a massive, massive, massive downturn shooting-wise, first half, second half. Again, I think it's—I don't think it's like a true talent thing. It's just kind of what's happened. And, and by the way, in December, he's shooting 19% from three in the second half. That includes tonight. So it's, it's been a theme. He's not been alone, by the way. I, I'm trying desperately to not single out DeJounte because Bogie's been the same thing. And by the way, this, this is the last four games. So the last four games, a.k.a. the losing streak, The combination of Bogey and Murray in the second half, which is when those games have been lost, the two of them combined for 20 of 71 from the floor, that's 28%, and 7 of 40 from three. And look, Trey is the engine of everything in Atlanta. He's their best player. He's the sun, moon, stars. If Bogey and Ajante do that, there's nothing Trey can do. There's nothing anybody can do. Because Bogey and Ajante are their number two and three options on offense. If they shoot like that, the Hawks are going to lose and that is what's happening in the last four games. It's not just that, that's a huge piece of it. So it's not just Ajante, but I thought Dejounte was like outwardly bad in the second half. Bogey was not very good either, but Ajante I thought was kind of notably worse, and it was 18 points in the game, 7 from the floor, but three of 12 on twos, and a lot of those were like those tough mid-rangers that he he can make them, but not the best process in the world. Um. A positive stat, probably the only one in this game, is that Trey and Bogey now have the two longest streaks in the entire NBA of making two threes or more in every game. Bogey has the franchise record with 24 in a row, but Trey made two more threes in this game. He actually was 19 straight games with, with at least two threes. I thought Trey was pretty okay. He wasn't his best. 24 points, nine assists, four steals for Trey, actually pretty active there, and four made from two, three of 10 from three, got the line seven times, made all seven, so he was like, not super efficient, but was actually okay in the second half, he again had 16 points after halftime. He was the only guy that really did much of anything offensively after halftime. And yeah, he wasn't his best. He took one bad shot late. He missed a floater that he could have made in the in the last 4 minutes. Like I'm not saying Trey was blameless because he wasn't, but I think on the, you know, usually when the offense bogs down, people kind of point to Trey because Trey's the guy and I get all that. It, a lot of it falls on him a lot. Cuz good or bad, it's going to fall on Trey. But in this game, it was not really Trey. If you watch the game, it was really more bogey and DeJounte and other guys missing shots, et cetera. So that's all I have on this particular contest. Um, big picture, I'll just say it again out loud, this is one of the worst losses of the season for the Hawks. As far as big picture, again, there's the vacuum, in which the Hawks lose, lose by seven points to a team that has been better than them this year. Uh, yes, at home, but like that's not disastrous. But when you factor everything in, up 23 early in the first quarter, up 18 in the half. Oh, double digits in the fourth quarter. To have all that happen, and then to have this kind of collapse at home on a Friday in front of a lively crowd, etc., and to get booed. I mean, they got booed, and rightly so. Like, I'm not a big boo-the-home-team guy. I'm just not. That's my personal opinion. But I don't blame Hawk fans at all for booing tonight, like, on the way out. And it wasn't, like, unanimous boo. It wasn't like the the Pistons, you know, uh, sell the team chance. It wasn't, that, that wasn't happening at the end of this game. But there were some, some boos, and it was... It was deserved. I mean, Clint, Clint had kind of talked about it like pretty candidly as a veteran would. Like they know. I mean, they, they're all feeling it. There's no question about that. Quinn's been frustrated, and nobody's happy. Uh, does that mean the season's over again? It does not. Um, would it surprise me if the Hawks just wanted to run here? No, it wouldn't. But right now, the record is 12 and 19, and given that, yes, Jalen missed some time. I would have been very surprised about this Hawks team being 12 and 19 with the injury bug not. Blasting them. Yes, Jalen missed a bunch of time, but Trace played all but two or three games. Bogey's played all but two or three games. Dejounte has played all but I think one or two games this season. Uh, Yes, Hunter's been out for a while. Jalen's missed some time, but Bay, Capella, Kangwu have all been healthy. Like they've had probably average or better health this year. And to be 12 and 19 and four and nine at home, you know, at the end of the day, this is professional sports. You are what you are as far as your record is concerned and the Hawks have underachieved violently. So we'll have more in the future about why that's happening, my opinions, and I've tried to share some of those on this podcast. I think that the offense is not a problem area on the whole, but it has been the last four games in the second half. So uh, we'll get into all of it more later on in detail. I'll have guests on the podcast, give you some more some more color and some more picture. Um, but a bad loss to the Hawks, no question about that. And uh, I think people listening to this podcast regularly will know that, like, you know, I, I try to give you the whole picture, and uh, there isn't a whole lot of positive spin you can put on this game. To be sure, especially given the fact that they had lost three games in a row before that. And uh, this is four in a row now, and a pretty dire spot for the Hawks on the whole. From there, before we get out of here, the Hawks play their last game of the calendar year 2023 on New Year's Eve, which is a Sunday afternoon. They play a 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time game in the middle of an NFL Sunday against a bad Wizards team in DC. So I don't know how much that game is going to get attention locally. Uh, I know I'm, I'm sure some folks will be watching. I will be watching and covering the game as always. The Wizards actually won tonight. They are now six and twenty-five overall. They are very bad, but they won tonight. Um, they beat the, the they beat the Nets at home, and the Wizards have the advantage of not having to travel. So um, the Hawks will be favored, I would imagine, barring a lot of injuries. But um, nothing is a given, quite obviously, with the way this Hawks team is playing right now. So uh, I'll, I'll say this now: they cannot afford to lose that game. The Wizards are six and twenty-five. I know they're not they're not as bad as the Pistons or maybe the Spurs, but that's a bad basketball team and you got to win that one. So we'll circle that one. We'll come back to it later on and we'll talk about it all. And yes, I'm not I'm not taking the day off. Uh, sometimes I will have to take a game or two off throughout the course of a season, but I will have a podcast on New Year's Eve. So if you are a, a listener frequently, I'll be here New Year's Eve post-game for all your uh, Atlanta Hawks needs after the game. So with that said, please subscribe to the podcast. If you made it all the way to the end, bless you, number one. And number two, if you've not subscribed across platforms, whether it be on the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple, also on YouTube, you can like and subscribe on that platform as well. Tell a friend about the podcast, maybe two friends about the podcast, your family as well if you happen to be uh, traveling right now, and I'd really, really appreciate it. Raise the reviews, appreciate it as well. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lothan Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roland. Follow all my written work on the Hawks at Patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. And thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We'll have one more show. In 2023, again, post-game, after the game on Sunday. And uh, until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you all next time.